Welcome back to the Meet a Cop Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast. One of the hosts thinks pulling is what you do to your leash when you want to keep walking. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I'm joined on this fine football Thursday by the host, one of the hosts of the Around the NFL podcast. You know him from this podcast, Greg Rosenthal. Welcome back to the show. I am uh, thrilled to be back. Um, you are not in Munich. I feel like a lot of your colleagues are in Munich right now. No, and this is my game. Geno Smith versus Tom Brady. Like it this whole season's game. kind of been a victory lap um, for me as as the newest member of the Twelves, um, and Geno Smith especially. But uh, no, they didn't send us. We tried. Um, this is okay. So we're, we're we're firmly we're ready to take the victory lap right now. We're gonna talk about that game. So maybe actually I should hit pause. But I feel like there, week one was a big one for the like the the Geno pilled people. Actually, you're not Gino Pill. Gino Pill is something that happened to you this season. How would you describe yourself? I mean, you can go into the NFL.com archives if you truly wanted it and read a making the leap prediction column about Gino Smith heading into, uh, I believe it was the 2015 season that wasn't, um, that was interrupted rudely by IK and Impale and mm. never happened. But no, I really have always thought he'd be great. And then it kind of became a eight year long running joke on our podcast when it's like come to a fruition that I could have never imagined. I mean, this, this is a little too much for me. You're so it's, it's not Gino Pillard. You're like the the Gino believers, the Gino. Right. Steven Ruiz tries to, you know, and he's right there with me. He's, he's been a believer for a long time, but he was like in high school when I was writing that column. <laughs> you're not even a sleeper cell because you've never been quiet about it. So I don't know the quite, and, and, the, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Gino was aware of your standing. I think so. We've never communicated, but he's followed <laughs> me for a few years, and he likes and, and retweets some of my uh, my belief in him, especially going into this year, because I think that it stood out more. Um, and it, mm. it has been a pleasure being a Seahawks fan. I'm sure mm. it's nice for you right now. All right, well, let's start with that. We're going to talk about a few games this weekend. Um, I do think, with especially with what's going on with Josh Allen, we are going to talk about this game, that game. But I do think because of that, Seahawks Bucks is kind of the game of the weekend. Am I right? I mean, are there any that you think are are more enticing looking at the schedule? If Josh Allen plays, I'm equally yeah. curious, but no, it's crazy that we're here. There's so many things about the Geno story that's crazy that you can say, "Wow, we're in week 10 and this is all true." But the fact that the Bucks yes, being 4 and 5 against the 6 and 3 Seahawks is the game of the week is like one of the most shocking things. Let's I play was, Josh Allen though. Let's let's play. Uh, we'll see. I'll, we'll get to that game. I was dreading the Seahawks Bucks game when I saw cuz when I heard there was a game in Germany and the Seahawks were playing and you know I didn't expect the Seahawks to be good this year and then I saw it was Tampa and I was like this is going to be embarrassing. I can never go back to Germany. I've never been to Germany, but after this game I'll never be able to go there and show my face. <laughs> However, we are now seeing photos of Geno Smith's smiling visage on the side of a water tower in Germany. Um, he is playing quarterback at a higher level than Tom Brady right now. A sentence that I don't think I ever could have imagined would be coming out of my mouth, but here we are. It's 2022. It's happening. The, the Bucks are favored in this game, though. I just saw that, and I was curious to see what the line was because obviously it's a neutral. Do you think that that's... Let's start here. Do you think that that's crazy? I don't think it's crazy just because I know the Bucks have been favored maybe in every game this year, mm. and the Seahawks have been 
an underdog in almost every game this year. Mm. And so that's just how the numbers are still sticking out, clinging on to last year. But no, I don't think that makes sense, not just with the eye test, but even just the consistency of the Seahawks offense week to week is better than anything the Bucks have done this year. I think with nine weeks of evidence, like we can we can trust the Seahawks team is just good and that Geno Smith yeah. is just good. I know we're going to get into it, let's but get I, into I, it. I see them as the favorite. I want to. OK, let's start with Geno versus the Bucks defense. Um, and I think this is kind of a good way to talk about the things that Geno has done this season that have surprised me and, and perhaps maybe even surprised you, Greg, even as a longtime believer. So like obviously we know that this Bucks defense likes to blitz a lot. Uh, Geno versus the blitz this year. Fifth in CPOE, seventh in QBR. So that's one of the many things that have surprised me because uh, that is an area that he has struggled with in the past. Yeah, and he's been really aggressive uh, against the Blitz. Like a lot mm-hmm. of his deep shots are against the Blitz or against disguise coverage. And like he's winning in ways that I believe Tom Brady would appreciate. I, I think he's winning in some of the ways that Tom Brady has won over the years, which is he gets to his read really quick. Uh, he is really good pre-snap. If they change the coverage after the snap, that's good. And he's been good. Yeah, you mentioned it against the Blitz, which you know the Bucks are gonna want to do. We'll see if Antoine Winfield's back. He's not out of concussion protocol, but to me, their defense is not the same without him. Uh, yeah. But he was practicing on on Wednesday, so he might be playing in that game. Uh, but I think Gino has a nice combination of staying calm and then just trusting DK and Tyler Lockett to make plays down the field when teams do blitz him. I mean, that touchdown throw to DK was, he threw him open, but it was like, it was incredible. I mean, so like, you know, in the last game, Gino had that pretty bad pick six. Um, And I think, I believe, but there's still always this moment where I'm like, oh boy, here we go. We're going to have the bad game now. To see him do that and then calmly come back and lead not one, but two incredibly efficient drives where he looks so good on third down. He's so aggressive. He's making plays with his feet, which is another thing I didn't see coming, by the way, the mobility and the playmaking. That, I think, is what was most... I, I was almost more impressed, Greg, by seeing him bounce back from that mistake with without missing a beat, um, even though he made the mistake in the first place. I, I totally agree. Like every moment, and because I have these ghouls sitting across from me, Dan Hansis mm. and, and Mark Sessler, my friends. But Dan was a Jets fan, and he he was not with me, and he was always annoyed by my Gino standing over the last few years, and he's just been waiting for this all to collapse. And Gino threw a near interception in the first half of that game too, uh, in the red zone. And it did feel like, and there's been games, he's not perfect where he takes sacks and he holds onto the ball. And it felt like Vance Joseph, uh, the, the Cardinals coordinator, was doing a good job of making him think. You can almost yeah. see it because he's such a decisive quarterback that when teams do mix things up after the snap or, or with their blitzes, like you can see him almost thinking, and that's probably his biggest uh, error is that he holds onto the ball for a while and can take a sack. And that was happening. But when he makes those mistakes, again, in the first half, like that's where he throws the dime touchdown, you know, over the cornerback's shoulder right after almost throwing an interception. It just feels like he's uh, he's just got like ice in his veins. It's you, you see it when they ask him. I mean, every time they try to get him to say that he's surprised at all by this and he's just like, this was me all along. I would have been an MVP candidate for the last seven years, essentially, if you had just been playing me. <laughs> well, it's him. It's it's a very good group of skill players. It's a run game that is very fun to watch. We've talked a little bit about Kenneth Walker. He can be a little bit boomer bust, but he has that 
he's not like Derrick Henry at all as a runner, but he has that quality where he seems to just get more powerful as the game goes on, which is something I really enjoy. And I know Pete Carroll must just absolutely love. Um, and then also, I think a scheme that, you know, is really well suited to his skill set. It feels like the Seahawks have never booted right and not gotten a first down this year, <laughs> throwing to their <laughs> literally every time. Um, I do think the Bucks defense is, you know, not as bad as they looked at points this season. Uh, there's been injuries. You mentioned Winfield Jr. The two big plays that they gave up were, I think, largely just, you could actually say, both because they didn't have Winfield Jr., right, to Cooper Cup. Um, so, you know, but I thought for the most part, the the front seven played a lot better. They were better against the run with mega caveat that anybody could be good against the Rams' run game right now. So it's, it, it's a challenge for them to, like, see, okay, can we build on our, you know, we kind of got... We played better last week, albeit against one of the worst offenses in the league, which is crazy to say about the Rams. Um, but the Seahawks offense is a pretty massive test, I think, for whether or not the Bucks defense can carry this team. Right. Walker is such a unique back, and I've been trying to come up with a comp, and I don't think there is one. They throw Le'Veon Bell out there just because, you the know, patience. Kenneth Walker can sometimes be so patient yeah. that he goes on the wrong side of it, and he's always trying to break big plays, and occasionally that... that hurts him where he doesn't pick up a first down maybe where he should but he he seems like just such a unique guy in terms of his his balance and his creativity he's he's amazing to watch and I think he could give uh this Bucks group trouble you're they're got to run the ball plenty and I just have doubts of how their pass rush is going to be I think Shaq Barrett yeah. got lost in the mix as like just an injury that's going to crush this Bucks team and then they're going to have to gamble a little more at sending blitzes and I don't think that's the way to beat Gino mm. Mm. unblitzable Gino um I mean so okay so like on the flip side um the Bucks offense was once again anemic until the end when we got a little bit of a vintage touchdown Tom I don't feel good about them I don't feel better about them after that I it was one drive. Of course, they look better going um, tempo because it means they're no longer lighting first down on fire with runs, with terrible runs. But, you know, throughout the game, it was just more of the same. I Forget the runs, which we, you know, whatever. Just Brady looking very uncomfortable with pressure, constant miscommunications with receivers. Mike Evans, kind of uncharacteristic. I guess, are, there, are they characteristic now? Drops and mistakes. Um... I don't know. I, I We can talk about the Seahawks defense in a second and their improvement, whether it's sustainable. But, like, I don't feel better about the Bucks offense after watching just one good drive. No, I don't either. Chris Godwin doesn't have the same ex explosive ability. Yeah. There's some stats that, that show he's not getting open as easily, and I think that gets confirmed by the eye test. When, he, when they went tempo, though, Mina, weren't you just thinking, I know this is the really basic football fan thought, which is just like, well, why don't they do this more? Because the, the clock yeah. was stopped on most of those plays. They, were, they got out of bounds. But Brady, using his experience wisely, was snapping the ball at 25, 23 seconds. And he's awesome at that. They changed the NFL in 2010 and 2011 uh, by, by playing as fast as any team's ever played. And to me, that solves some of their issues. I know you can't do it like throughout the game, but you could do it more, and maybe that'd get them out of running those first down runs into nowhere. I think Brady gets in this habit, and tell me if you disagree with that. He he sees that the run play is the right play, the quote-unquote right play, yeah. and so uh, some of the times the runs are on him, and those have been 
strengths for him to make good decisions over the years. And he just like can't snap out of making the quote good decision. And it's just not a good decision because these bucks can't run block or run. They're a little bit better when it's not Fournette. You know, they've been giving a little bit more snaps to the rookie Rashad White, and he's got a little bit more juice than Fournette. But this offensive line can't run block north south, which is what they do, right? Like they just aren't able to win up front. And yeah, Brady is handing the ball off, and you're right. Like, and he does make the right decision, but it's not the right decision when your run game's so inefficient. Um, as far as the, like, you're yeah, I do think they should probably play faster more often. Obviously some Rams fan is probably screaming somewhere, but we were playing the softest defense ever. So how much can you really take away from that as well? Um, Which I think is kind of fair. Um, Look, I think probably their best chance in this one would be Mike Evans looking like Mike Evans. Cause as good as Tariq Woolen has played, and I am pretty obsessed with him. And I think by next year, he's going to be like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, this is still a pretty significant challenge. And there have been games where the Seahawks have struggled against number one wide receivers. Um, so I would say that coupled with, I still think the Seahawks defense is vulnerable against play action, especially the way that they're playing now with more, they're attacking up front more. I'm sure you've, we've talked about this a little bit, some of the changes they made on defense and asking their linebackers to fit the run. So I think there's some vulnerability there, but the Bucks seem allergic to play action. So I don't know if they'll go to that. Right, and I look at their cornerbacks, and I mean, to me, Woolen's a perfect guy to match up, and they're not going to just match him up uh, with Mike Evans, but when he is matched up with Mike Evans, he's one of the few guys that you could think could handle it, and it's been, you know, a treat to watch this defense improve. It's what's changed my excitement about the team. You got to start believing at this point, Mina, with the Seahawks team, that like the defense has now shown enough over a four week period. Here. Granted, a, a couple of those are division games, and you know, you know those opponents a little differently. Mm-hmm. But Ryan Neal playing well, the pass rush being good enough, and and kind of coming from different places, and not just Woolen, but like Kobe Bryant's better. I feel like over the last he, three he, or four weeks, he has lapses, and that would be another area that I would. maybe Godwin could eat there potentially, but he's he's like a playmaker, right? So you have to kind of, he makes like hype, he forces fumbles, he breaks up passes. um, And I do feel like he's playing better. Even like the role players, like Michael Jackson is the other cornerback. We got a Kobe Bryant and a Michael Jackson. Um, Has been playing better as well. And of course, yeah, we talk about Ryan Neal and him ascending to a starter being like a big difference in that secondary. To your point about the last few weeks, Football Outsiders posted this. Defensive DVOA weeks five through nine. So that's over a month. The Patriots are one. Broncos, Cowboys, Jets. The Seahawks are at five. Yes. That's DVOA. They're accounting for opponent, guys. They've got juice. And this is such a dumb, you know, (laughs) non-analytic thing to say. But they play. But I think it's true with defenses and energy that they play, and it's not just because they're young, and Pete Carroll teams do this a lot probably, but they play with such great energy that all they need to be is average. That's all I was yes. hoping for this year. When Gina was playing lights out for the first month, all I was thinking is if they get an average, the slightly better than average defense in a, in a good running game, like this is a playoff team. And now now we're seeing it. There's not a lot of reason other than it's the NFL to think that the Bucks are a better team than them. It's not that the Seahawks are that much better, but the Seahawks are a better team than them. 
Yeah, I think the Bucks with Winfield Jr. have a more talented secondary, but I don't know. They're not playing like it right now. I, I... hmm. Don't you think it's time, Mina, to to start believing in this team? <laughs> okay, you know, wait. Been... And, and are you annoyed um, by me uh, just jumping so on board? Because I I am now just a Seahawks fan. That's what I am now. I I am we're thrilled to have you. Honestly, um, okay, I've been I've like probably tempered my enthusiasm just to try to not be too much of a homer and be too excited about what I'm saying. But I think the improvement of the defense has really swung me. Right, because the first few weeks I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, do you know? I actually think this is sustainable, and obviously these skill players have always been good. But like, come on, this looks like one of the worst defenses in the NFL. The fact that they've turned it around, and they have such young players, and obviously you know new defensive coaches, there's no reason to think they won't be better injuries notwithstanding at the end of the year than they are now. Woolen, look like he dropped to the fifth round, even though he is six four and ran a four two six. Um, because he didn't have good college tape, you know, right? And w- watching him every week get so much better, you know, the Seahawks are primarily a zone coverage team. Watching him get so much better at reading quarterbacks, timing, the, the pass breakup he had on Hopkins in this last game, where he, just as Hopkins broke on his route, he, he he's closing speed is incredible, but he's also like marrying it to his eyes now in a way that I, when I watched him, I'm like, oh my God, the, the ceiling for this dude is insane. That said, the pass rush, just okay. You know, Ochoa knows has been playing good. They've been playing better. They're getting like Bruce Irvin's playing well again. It's just okay. So, you know, I'm, I, 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 I am, I have tempered my expectations. But yeah, like you said, when you look at the Bucks and you look at the Seahawks and how they stack up against each other, they do feel like teams headed in two different directions. And I'll wrap there by asking if the Bucks lose this game, I mean, it's the NFC South, but like, do you have, forget if they don't, if even if they win this game, whatever, the way they've looked so far, do you view this as a, not a playoff team, but a team that can win a playoff game? I give them a chance to look different in December than they do now. So they can lose this game. I think they will. And because they're in the NFC South, I think that gives them this incredible backstop that they could be different. We've just seen teams do it too often. There will be at least two teams that have a losing record right now that play outstanding down the stretch, mm. especially December on, that you just don't see. And who would be more likely than than the Bucks to me? Because Brady's played fine. I mean, he's not looking amazing, but he's he's a plus at quarterback, and their personnel is good enough. So even if they lose this, because of the division, I'm not giving up on them. Now you got me like looking at who are the teams that could potentially. They're definitely the most likely candidate to flip a switch. I guess we're not talking about the Rams we're, today. We'll talk about a few. The the Broncos would be in there. Although you know Broncos. Russell Wilson doesn't like the wristband like like Gino does. Gino <laughs> Gino listens to his coaches. The shots they just keep coming. It's crazy. <laughs> um, God, the Patriots. I was gonna say the Patriots. The Patriots are five and four. That's wild. Um, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Gino, it's happening. Come back. It's funny. Comeback player of the year, like, doesn't he didn't come back from he just came back from being ignored and disregarded, not from an injury. I don't know if that counts, but I think they'll give it to him, though. It just seems like people are into the story. And why wouldn't they be now? Uh, and, and I think he's one of, if not the favorites 
in Vegas for it. I mean, yeah, look, you found a franchise quarterback for like a million dollars this season and the best rookie class since the 2017 Saints. It's all happening. Vikings-Bills is a little bit hard to talk about because of the Josh Allen factor. And it's and that's disappointing to me because we really needed this game for the Vikings, right? Because this was, I feel like everybody had earmarked this one as, okay, this is when we'll be able to tell if the Vikings who are 7-1 and one are for real. And now they might not get Josh Allen. I'm hearing whispers that are going in the wrong direction on that one. Are you hmm. hearing it? What are the whispers you're hearing? I should I should have done a better job uh, asking around before this as a as a good journalist like you are. It sounds like they're they're hopeful, but the fact that he's not practicing and Sean McDermott won't talk at all, and that this game ultimately isn't that meaningful to the Bills is. The, I was gonna say I wouldn't play him if I was Buffalo. I mean I don't the the way the injury sounds to me too with the UCL feels like a wear thing where it's like there's no. Especially because, you know, it's his elbow. It's not just throwing. And I know we're all kind of thrown by the fact that Josh Allen hurt his elbow, grabbed it, and then threw like the longest pass I've ever seen in my life. But also (laughs) because he absorbs so much contact, you know, you don't think about the throwing, your arm being an issue when you're running, but it is an issue because he uses it to like protect himself, hold the football, stiff arm dudes, you know, like dot, you know, so his style of play is just you really don't want to, I guess, expose yourself if you're already hurt. Um, You know, that said, okay, so as far as how we talk about this, let's say he doesn't play. So it would be Case Keenum, who is a competent quarterback. Uh, I kind of feel like I know what they would do with Case Keenum. You know, it's a lot of play action. They probably run it a lot more. Bill's run game's obviously been up and down. Passing game, he wouldn't really, he would be throwing deep a lot. So it would be a lot of kind of that 10 to 19 yard range. Do you think they would be able to move the ball on Minnesota? I have my doubts. I'm curious how Minnesota would play it because, yeah. you know, the Jets have done what a lot of teams that have tried to stop the Bills over the last couple of years have done last week and played way off played back, didn't blitz Allen at all, the lowest blitz rate of the league. Really what the Rams tried to do in week one, they just had better players to pull it that's off. That, and that's how Josh. the Vikings play, generally. Right. What you just did, and yeah. It, right, it's how the Vikings play, and it kind of makes Josh Allen run. So to the point uh, that you're saying about the elbow, like I think the Jets were not begging them to run, uh, whether it was Allen or uh their running backs, but there was only four running back carries in the second half of that game by the Bills. They had they had seven yards, and the Bills haven't really been that good getting those mid chunk plays this year. Isaiah McKenzie's been pretty disappointing. They haven't gotten a lot out of their slot. So Case Keenum worries me. I put too much on the preseason, but I watched him in the preseason, and he was kind of terrible in the preseason. It's mm-hmm. not very predictive, I I know, but he did not look good. What do you think of this Vikings defense? Again, irrespective of who plays, I have kind of viewed them as being average. I think, look, what Zedarius Smith is doing this year is wild. I think that he is clearly the star of this unit. And, you know, you're still getting your competent linebacker play, Harrison Smith, whatnot. But outside of them, I just, I I feel like a good offense isn't going to have a ton of trouble with this defense. But again, like we don't know if they're actually going to face a good offense here. I mean, I, I, they played fine 
Last, they, by the way, notably, they did lose Cam Dantzler to injury, and I don't think he's going to play in this game. They put a rookie in whose name escapes me right now. I think the four-man rush is decent, but I just don't – I don't know. I, I really wanted to see them against the Bills offense with that full power. Right. I They're they're average. I think that like most defenses are average, especially when you look at the top of – the defensive rankings, like how many of them really make a monster difference? Of course, you can match up week to week and it'll work out for you. But on a week to week basis, how many good defenses are there? Three? I mean, the Patriots are up there on the top yeah. defenses, and I don't consider them a great defense by any means. To me, it's just your defensive rankings is often based on the quality of your opponents, and Minnesota's haven't been great, and they're in the middle. There's not really a lot of reason to think they're a huge problem kendricks is, is certainly playing a little better like daniel hunter i've been waiting to see him go he did he have a couple nice week. sacks yeah yeah last week uh and that that jets game did i think help expose like the areas where the bills offense struggle when you dare them to run they're not necessarily willing or able to do it sean mcdermott was snippy after Whoa. the game oh w- dang it sorry i got i got fake adam schefter <laughs> i saw uh, a tweet that said josh mcdaniels was fired damn it all right sorry keep going sorry. Nice. Yeah. no i uh <laughs> i i like how every time the bills lose sean mcdermott gets snippy after the game and says they should have run the ball more it's basically if you look back at the yeah. press conferences almost every loss he's like i don't think we were balanced enough we weren't balanced enough yeah i know it feels like it's coming right the game where he's like all right where that the, the defensive minded head coach is like you run run the damn ball and you know what? They probably can against the Vikings. It's not a very good run defense. So, like, I I, I feel like the, 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 there's an opportunity here. But you're right, like, about the Jets and the way they play the Bills. Like, that is, I guess there was a moment where I was just watching Josh Allen and he was just playing so patiently and within himself. And I was like, oh, even if you play too high against this team, he's going to patiently distribute it. You know, it felt like he was just, like, ascending. And, and then... I don't know if we're overreacting to the last two weeks where it kind of felt like he stopped or if maybe... Do you remember coming into this season, Greg? This is the whole thing about the Bills was like, oh, they can be every kind of look. Oh, you're going to dare them to run where they've got, you know, down Singletary. They drafted James Cook. They got Now they got Nathan Hines, by the way. You know, they use their fullback. They use their tight end. They will beat you every kind of way. And I guess it's just like that's not what's been happening lately in, in, in the Jets game being a very good example of that. And suddenly you look at this personnel group and you're like, ooh, like – you have a number one wide receiver. You have a very un, you have like a talented but unreliable number two. You're not getting production out of the slot. The run game is really lackluster. You lean way too much on your running quarterback, and suddenly, Ooh. like, yeah, you just kind of start questioning all of it. This is why the way, by the way, I said this to Dominique. I was like, they need OBJ. Like this, I mean, I th- I still think he's going to the Cowboys, but if I'm the Bills, man, I really throw my hat into the OBJ ring. I know they'd have to do some stuff contractually, but it doesn't it feel like they're just actually missing something? Yes, he would make them so much better. They should throw all the money at, as you're going through that. I I don't want to overstate their their problems. And and Josh Allen does lead the league in in turnover worthy plays uh, according to uh PFF, which is partly just cuz he has so many dropbacks and and he still had an amazing season. So I don't want to over 
state it, but I really think they missed 2020, 2019 Cole Beasley a ton. <laughs> Not that they would want, want, want this version of Cole Beasley on this team, but that was Josh Allen's keep the drive going guy. And you now I think the keep the drive going guy is just running. And it's been that way too over the last few years with, with him scrambling. But OBJ could be that type of guy uh, with a mm. lot extra. I feel like Hines, they could figure, I mean, he just entered game and mm-hmm. joined the team, right? But I think there, there could be something there working underneath. He's such a good pass catch. He's a good runner, too. He's a good pure runner. But, like, I think that could really help them. You know, who would have thought the Jameson Crowder injury, too, would have been pretty impactful. Okay, so on the other side of the ball, uh, the Bills' defense is really banged up, too, and they've been banged up, and that was a massive factor in the Jets' loss. Um, I do think they're going to get Matt Milano back in this game. At some point, Tredavious White, that is weird thing that's been going on way longer than I would have expected uh but you know seems lost... like probably not this week based <sighs> on the tone of McDermott so they also lost Greg Rousseau which hurt them by the way in the run game too they just could not set an edge to save their life um at a certain point and I think yeah so they're you know you have Von Miller but suddenly you need all this. suddenly we go like oh this edge group is so deep well they need those other guys to step up in Rousseau's absence so here comes a Vikings offense that is more exciting to me than the Vikings defense. And in the before last week, it's interesting because I don't think like they were they actually like you know, struggled in some ways against the Commanders, most notably I think just the pass rush was just Kirk Cousins look terrorized. But there were some things I thought were really encouraging. I thought TJ Hawkinson was as advertised in this offense, and you see the element he brings over the middle of the field, the way when you you know Jefferson dealing clear out space, he can run block, he can do it all. And then I thought Kirk, I, I really was like, okay, here's finally aggressive Kirk Cousins because all year long their average depth of target is down. They complain that he doesn't just throw it up to Jefferson, and in this game he averaged over ten air yards per attempt. He was throwing it up to Jefferson. Sometimes it didn't work. But I actually just, I, I'm like, great, keep doing that. Because that's, I feel like this offense has yet to tap into ex, ex, its explosive potential. I totally agree. I think it started against Arizona, too. Kirk was more aggressive in that game. He hasn't really been better or worse than he normally is. But I think he's been steadier. I don't know if that has anything to do with Kirk, Kevin O'Connell. Like, Kirk Cousins is just mm. such a streaky quarterback. And he's yeah. more or less been the same solid guy every week this year. But I think the last two weeks, you, you said it, he's been uh, more aggressive. And I think they need him to be. And I think anything that gets the Bills' second, third-level defenders involved in this game is a, is a positive for Minnesota, whether that's in the run game, getting the ball to the like outside, which yeah. has worked against Buffalo the last couple of weeks when it's been back-to-back Lafleurs going against them. And now you have <laughs> O'Connell, who's, who's kind of from that same idea. So I think anything that can get them involved in, in Kirk going after it a little more and uh, having that having that chain-like swag. I'm loving this Kirk Cousins moment that he's having right now. How could Hawkinson look, though? Like, ah, oh, man. I, did you like that trade as much as I... Um, I think Bill and I got into it for a while talking a little bit about the positional value and what they give up and this and that. Like, do, I, I feel like this was just such a, such a stellar move by Minnesota. I, I agree. And you could see how quickly it was. Kirk Cousins has always been good, I think, throwing to over the middle and mm-hmm. to tight ends. And they were just, it just like completes their offense. He's just such a predictable 
guy and it's like okay now we have our one we have our two we have our three and we have our tight end it just like gives him options and and i think makes him feel more comfortable um this so this would have been a like are the vikings for a real game i think if milano and poyer play it is still the, the bills defense even with some of the other injuries and even with whiteout is still a pretty good test um, I don't think the run defense is going to be as bad as we've seen. Obviously, they didn't have Milano last week, but I think the rest of the defensive line will play better too. If Minnesota goes to Buffalo, I think it might snow, but anyways, and they give it to them, forget the Case Keenum side of things. If they give it to them on offense, are you going to be a Vikings believer? Yes. Yeah. You're right. The players, uh, the availability is huge. Tre- Tremont Edmonds, who had a good game last week, is kind of up in the air too i I think poyer and milano are probably back but russo is definitely out and and we'll see on on edmonds but yeah if they give it to him i will because that's the thing with like piling up lucky wins kind of like the jets were early in the season like eventually you can just start improving all of these teams change so even though the lucky wins seemed like you would regress to the mean you you can just start playing better and then you still get to keep those wins you had before and luck doesn't hurt and getting case keenum instead of josh allen is about as lucky as it gets i'm not panicking about the bills but the injuries not even just the allen injury it just feels like this team was so stacked and now every week i'm like who's playing and that's they've they've been I don't have like the adjusted whatever injuries games lost or anything like that, but like they've they've been losing key players every week and it is showing. Like they are up against it. And look, without Allen, I mean this is an offense where there there's a lot of offenses around the league right now where like it almost feels like okay, like I could see a back I mean, this is not Josh Allen is the offense, like it's mm. He's so, I mean, because just because of the rushing threat alone, he is so irreplaceable to me that I, I don't know how sustainable it is. Although, you know, like I said, I do think they should be able to run the ball in Minnesota. So I guess, let me, let's, let me finish by asking you this. If Allen plays, will you pick the Bills? Oh, yeah. Yeah, same here. Of course. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, yeah. and, if Ke- and if Keenum plays, I... Will struggle with it. I can absolutely mm. see thirteen to ten Bills victory led Especially by it, Case Keenum getting carried off the field. Especially if it snows, right? That feels like a Case Keenum W. All right, the Mike McCarthy revenge game feels like he's gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like Kirk Kirk Cousins. Like if you stick around long enough, eventually things always come back to you. Now people like are trying to make the Kirk Cousins is fun and underrated and cool argument. And now it's like, oh, Mike McCarthy is winning the good the coach. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, this is Packers fans are appropriately apoplectic. It's just not a good football team. Um, they're looking at Aaron Rodgers' contract. Which, by the way, have you looked at Aaron Rodgers' contract this week? Not this week. No. It's insane. It's I'm going to right now. Very complicated. There's it's uh, basically the TLDR version is it's impossible to get out of. You can trade it like a post June 1st trade, but Greg, do you think a team I mean, I guess I could see a team trading for Aaron Rodgers if he and this is I think possible by the end of the year he bounces back. Um I could see a team like 
Washington doing it. I think Indy can't do it again. I think they're just that they've done that shit too many times. But I could see. <laughs> couldn't you see like the Commanders trading for Aaron Rodgers? Oh, I don't think he'd have a shortage of options if that's what you're asking. I think there'd be plenty, and he's playing well enough. I think I know it's coming off of his worst game. But I still think he's been a better than average NFL starting quarterback this year. And I don't think there'd be any short of, of options. And it's wild to me that like the, the athletic article after last week's game immediately started diving into this. Did they? When is it time to play Jordan Love? Yeah. When is it time to trade the contracts? And I mean, it seems hasty, but I, I guess it makes sense if they keep losing. I, they, they do have a tough schedule here. I guess I was about to say, like, I don't understand why you would think, look at this offense and think Jordan Love would you'd be putting him in a good position. I guess you could lean really into, you know, like, more of, like, a option game a little bit because um, it does feel like the only thing they're good at, right, is running. And I guess that that would be the, the, the hope you would have as a Packers fan in this one because – that's really the Cowboys' defense's only weakness has been against the run at times. Um, they did trade for Jonathan Hankins to try to shore that up a little bit. And they're not bad against the run, but you don't want to drop back and pass against this team. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Jones uh, was practicing, but can I just l- uh, read a list of players who did not practice? I know it's it's early in the week and that, that's tricky uh, for Green these Bay podcast but yeah for green bay bakhtiari rogers we know rogers will play bakhtiari i assume would too but he just never can practice elton jenkins might be out again probably <sighs> rashawn gary out for the season we know yeah, dobbs is like... out for a while sammy watkins got hurt late in that game and devondre campbell it's just like those are important players who's gonna play wide receiver it's the nebraska Torre Torre. uh shoot maybe i will start tunyon i have him in one of my my, my deep leagues <laughs> I mean, Dobbs out is brutal. Watkins can't do anything anymore. That is. And against watch- this defense, and, and this is sort of the, the yeah. like Aaron Rodgers, I'm going down my way. I thought it was really telling that Aaron, oh Ro- Aaron Andrews said during that game how Rodgers told her, but he didn't tell the, the media, but he told her, if I'm going to go down, we're not going to be doing it like running on third and long, and we got to throw the ball deep, and we got to be aggressive. And you see it in their offense. It's no longer a, a Matt LaFleur traditional oh, offense. Yeah. It's a lot of shotgun. It's a lot of RPO. It's he, He's point guarding, and it's a lot of iso ball. He was an empty a lot. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes they, he had, like, he made a few crazy throws, but – it doesn't feel there's no consistency and they just don't like they don't have the personnel to do it. I mean, this is reminding me of 2016. I apologize for cutting no. you off there, but it just reminds me so much of the dark days of the Mike McCarthy era because well, that's even, that's what it was. Some weeks would be great, but it was all Aaron Rodgers yeah, like trying to make a play and freestyling. Kind of, even kind of the first year of LaFleur before Aaron Rodgers brought it bought into the LaFleur offense. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Like people forget that first year was kind of ugly. Um Anyways, if I was them, I would just run the ball against this Cowboys defense that is so good, so complete, so well-coached, so devastating up front. Um, There's not even that much to talk about with this, you know, talk about how good the Cowboys defense is. I'm more interested in the Cowboys offense coming off of last week because if Dak Prescott plays the way he did there, if this offense looks, forget the, we'll talk about the Packers defense in a second, which I think matches up horribly with this Cowboys offense in particular. But if Dak Prescott looks that good, why can't this Cowboys team go to the Super Bowl? 
Right. If it, that that game, and I know the Bears aren't playing great defense right now, but that game was all I needed to think like, oh yeah, they they and the Eagles to me are the are the two favorites, yes. or at least the two teams that seem like they can have close to elite offenses and defenses at the same time. And maybe you throw the 49ers in there, but I want to see it first. And we'll I, but I've seen them. it with Dak over the years, and they, they've become a much better run-blocking team over the course of this season, and I think they're going to have to run a lot. And the fact that they were designing runs for Dak, ooh, that, was, that just made me feel yes. warm inside. It made me yes. feel like they're back. Yes, back. seeing Dak run zone read with an option at the goal line is like, thank you. Thank you, Lord. He can. And seeing him scramble as well, by the way, because that was the thing last year when he came back from the injury and we were all trying to figure out what was wrong with him. I was like, well, he ain't moving. Like, he would have like 10 yards of grass in front of him and just not take it. And to, to see him on the move, to see how good the boot game looked, and the fact that it's all built on what is really one of the best, I think they're like second in DVOA, rushing attacks in football, regardless of who's carrying it. You know, I know, you know, this the Pollard Zeke thing, but um, especially against a team like the Eagles, where the run defense is their clear vulnerability, like it is the run game. This I, The Cowboys run game is gorgeous right now. It's, I mean, they, they run everything um, and they're so good at... Um, messing with defenders using motion the offensive line you talked about the run blocking is playing so well yeah and well we know green bay can't stop the run so and the tight ends have really made a difference when when schultz you know was banged up and not doing anything early they really missed him and you could see with dak back how big a factor but i actually think that hendershot and and Ferguson, like those guys give them a lot of flexibility in the running game. I know they're not going to be like offensive weapons, but they just show you a lot and and make you have to handle a lot. And those they've kind of found something in those two young guys as like useful 20 snap role players, especially if it kind of Dak's weakness at times is just the over aggression. And if you can just I don't know, like. It feels like Kellen Moore has kind of figured things out a little. And maybe it was, you know, having those games with um, Cooper Rush where he had to like really dial back the offense and simplify it. But it it kind of feels like, all right, like let's not everything has to be in the quarterback's hands to like make a play. Like it really feels like he's made things easier for Dak. Um, as far as Green Bay goes, I mean, losing Gary is brutal. I mean, that was also kind of lost in the like Eric Rogers crazy interception game. Like that, I mean, by far their best pass rusher, tenth in pass rush win rate. They don't really have a second either. They thought they did, um, but I I don't get them because you know they're like the anti Titans. Like the Titans are just so obviously better than the sum of their parts and yeah. we'll talk can about game them. plan really well. And even the, even the analytics don't always back it up, but it's just at some point you have to buy it. And then the Packers are the opposite of that. It's not like Kenny Clark's playing poorly. Kenny Clark's great. And like their players are for the most part, great Douglas and you know, Devondre Campbell have taken a step back, uh, which makes sense to me, but there's a drive or two, Mina, like every game where the Packers are either coming back into it or they need a stop, and the other team just goes on a nine-minute drive and decides to run. And even the Lions did it at the end. I know they only scored 15 points, but the Lions did it at the end of that game too. And it's just soul-destroying, and it happens every week, and you would certainly expect it to happen this week. The linebackers are not good. Quay Walker struggled, and 
they're just going to come. Dallas is going to run the ball and play action them into oblivion. Um, yeah. So, sorry, Green Bay. That was depressing. But yay for Dallas fans. They're very fun to watch right now. Okay, let's take a quick break. Come back and talk about a couple more games. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P dot com slash Mina Show, M I N A S H O W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, you alluded to the Titans. The just the they're the team that defies everything we know about like modern football. I <laughs> I've decided I love them. Ooh. I I just love them. I loved how well coached this defense is. I didn't. I, some Titans fans were like, "Are oh, you surprised by how good they're?" Yeah, I'm surprised. They lost their best edge rusher before the season, and their cornerback average age is like 19. Like, of course, I'm surprised. <laughs> they're freaking awesome. Um, you know, I mentioned last week they had the best third down defense in the league. It's because this four man rush led by Jeffrey Simmons, they freaking rule, and they're they're the best defense in the NFL against the run. Like, this is, I they're just I don't know. They're so good. Year after year. It's sustainable, too. I mean, you say they're, they're to kind of defy the modern NFL, and they do, but they, they just remind me. I, I always have thought, like, Vrabel and, and John Robinson in mm. Tennessee have, they were the one, like, Patriots Southeast or, the like, Patriots offshoots that seemed to really take the important parts of what the Patriots did and like applied it in their own way. And I think they're excellent at changing what their defensive game plan is going to be week to week. And they have an identity in terms yeah. types of players that they get, which are mostly just massive men who can do multiple things. It, it set off like alarm bells in my head this week. Cause Mike Vrabel could not stop talking about how great Draymond Jones is for the Broncos. And like, that's the guy <laughs> he thinks is the best player on the Broncos. It's because of course good. that he would love to have Draymond Jones. 
Um, well, speaking of those game plans, I feel like there's a pretty clear formula for playing Denver, um, which is you know, play cover two. <laughs> I mean, I, watching Wilson, it was good to see, you know, in the Jags game, they put together a nice drive. Um, but it's just so many three and outs. And it really just looks like what it did last the last two years in Seattle, which is him forcing the ball versus zone coverage. Um, I do think they landed on something with Greg Dulcich, who has overtaken mm-hmm. your beloved Albert O's, who looks really good, by the way. Um, but, you know, Wilson, yeah, he's 27th in CPOE versus cover two in Tampa two. Uh, there's just, there's, it's just, they've only had like a couple successful, maybe three successful drives in that game. And that it just feels like there's just no consistency there in his playmaking. And by the way, in his willingness to make plays to get out, to use his legs, which he still can apparently. Yeah. I don't like this matchup in any way. And yet when I was, when I was talking about teams that have stunk so far and that a couple yeah. of them will pop up and have great runs. I mean, they just seem like the obvious choice because of their defense. But also while we're talking offense, that like they do have big playmakers. They have hit some big plays this season. It's not an effective passing game, but just in terms of net yards per attempt, you know, they're 19th or 20th. They've, they've had a couple chunk plays. Like Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton versus uh, these cornerbacks, I know Christian Fulton's good, but for the most part, they, like there should be mismatches. Maybe they'll play a little bit faster. It, the combination of no running game and then and then Russell the way he's playing though is kind of a deadly thing that they have to prove they can get out of, or else I, I won't really believe it. Yeah, I think like the more KJ Hamler and Dulcich, the more likely it is at least that you'll have those occasional explosives because you know Wilson can still throw that ball and like. It, but it, it is okay. God, it's just so much like Seattle the last two years, where like you'll have like a magic drive and then like five three and outs. You know, it's just it's got to be immensely frustrating. Um, I also think this is a bad matchup for Denver on the other side of the ball because as good as this defense has been, they have really struggled to stop the run. They're first in DVOA against the pass, twenty fifth against the run. They do like play in a style that allows for a lot, it's a lot of light boxes, the kind of Vic Fangio style defense. But I also think from a personnel perspective. Um, you know, this is uh, a, t- a defensive front that can't really set the edge. They just traded Bradley Chubb and replaced him with Nick Benito, who's, like, really fast, but I have serious doubts about his ability to stop the run. Um, and I, we, well, we know the Titans are. <laughs> right. And we don't even know if Tannehill's playing in this game, it does seem like he had a high ankle sprain. Uh, your guy Schefter threw that out without really throwing it out, but said it, it might be, which I, I don't know what that meant, but it would kind of match up with the timeline that he's missed two weeks. And then you're on the edge of possibly returning uh, in the third. I, if they do use Malik Willis, so I'd love to like see them meet him where he is and have a few more design runs or just build the entire offense out of that. I know it seems crazy to even ask for more running out of the Titans, but that's probably where they're at. The wide receiver group is so bad. I mean, like, look, Willis wasn't great shakes, although he had a couple of really pretty throws in the first half, but like they don't separate at all. And there's drops. And I mean, outside of Robert Woods, who I know you have a real soft spot for, it is. I think they do get Traylon Burks back soon, which, you know, he looked decent. Maybe this week. Yeah. 
But they but. don't pass protect. That's the thing. I, I'm a Ryan Tannehill defender in terms of just mm-hmm. like he's he's a good starting quarterback. And he's had to overcome a lot. And I think you're you're starting to see that with, with another quarterback in there. It's just like, yeah, it's not easy to be behind like a bottom five offensive lines three straight years this is now. Well, then that would be the formula for a Broncos win, right, is just relentless pressure. Um, even if Tennessee runs the ball reasonably well, um, limiting everything that they can do to the air. And, and by the way, that is entirely possible because this is a very good Broncos pass defense. Um, and I'll be curious to see if Ajiro Evero, their defensive coordinator, makes any adjustments just because this is such a specific offense, knowing that they want to run the ball as much as they do. Yeah, Justin Simmons is possibly questionable for this game. He mm-hmm. didn't practice early in the week. Just uh, Jeffrey Simmons is too. It was in a walking boot, hurt his ankle what? late in that game. He was in a boot. Well, he played, and it was conf- yeah. He was he was it was confusing because he played and he did miss practice all last week, and then played anyways. But then he got hurt right at the end of the game, uh, like I think in the last play or two. And yeah, they said he was in a boot on Wednesday. So those are two kind of massive barometer. This is just going to be like an ugly game. How can it not be? This is such a 2022 NFL game, Broncos Titans. Uh, it deserves to be at 405. Is it at 405? Just feels like a 405. Game. Who are you going to pick? I'm leaning Titans, but I guess he, not if Malik starts. <sighs> right. I'm leaning Broncos if if Malik Willis starts. I I, I do think that the Broncos have a path to average on offense or maybe like 21st on offense like the rest of the way because their offensive line really isn't that bad. Their their personnel isn't that bad. I give too much credit to teams that like have a bye week. Oh, they'll figure it out during the bye week. It's like, no, mm-hmm. the Rams are still the same after their bye week. Most teams are the same after their bye week. So maybe they don't figure it out, well, but like their defense is so good that I think they got a shot. All they did was like, lose their best passer. Oh, they brought back, uh, they traded for Jacob Martin from the Jets. He's kind of one of those like sneaky underrated role players, but yeah, Jacob Martin's not going to replace Bradley Chubb's production. All right. Uh, I, the Chargers Niners is, I would say outside of, well, again, depending on what happens with the bills, uh, probably the second best game of the week to me. Um, I assume the Niners are favored by a pretty healthy margin. I, think this could be closer than people believe i mean i guess the the sort of reaction the first thought people have is this chargers defense can't stop the run and here comes san francisco and christian mccaffrey to town and i completely understand that but i was really encouraged by what i saw from justin herbert last week um it's funny because it's one of those games where like the box score wasn't impressive at all and i i watched it later and you know he like didn't dan an hour time of this he didn't throw for a lot but boy when he did throw, he really put the team on his back and looked, I think, healthy. I know, I know that the average at the target remains like very. I think that has as much to do with the protection and the personnel available to him as anything, as well as you know Joe Lombardi or whatever. But I thought he looked healthier and more like himself than he has in you know since the rib injury. Okay, so that's your argument. It's just like you're feeling good that Herbert's back. But what about? The fact that Herbert has to play so well to put 20 <laughs> on the Falcons. Yeah, that's not great. Is Keenan <laughs> Allen going to play in this game? Hold on. I probably should have looked that up. Probably the most I important. don't think we know as of taping their receiver availability. Mm-hmm. So that's another TBD. It's not, it's not great. It's not a great situation. 
Um, the Niners defense gets some people back. I don't think Eric Armstead will be back this week. They lost Emmanuel Mosley. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're still, I think Jason Verrett might come back at some point. But, um, you know, they've, they've definitely been up against it injury-wise. They're just too deep, though, for me to feel like. Why did I say that I believe in Justin Herbert against this No, you now. can. I, I want to believe in that world. I just don't. I'm not ready to get there yet and get my hopes back up off of that game. I totally agree with all your points, though, that he played exceptionally well. But he, re- you know who he reminds me of? Like I, I saw this graphic, I think it was from Ben Baldwin, of like the different quadrants quarterbacks can be in mm-hmm. based on turnover-worthy plays and you know big-time throws. And it's like bad and boring, good and, bo- good and boring. And, and Herbert is in the quadrant. Like he is the most good and boring quarterback there is, which is just like safe throws and no big time throws. Like he is playing like late career Drew Brees <laughs> or trying to think like early Chiefs Alex Smith. And I, especially if Keenan Allen and Mike and Mike Williams aren't back, I, I definitely don't see that changing. I thought last week it, we might see more big throws out of him. And he did make a couple of really nice ones. But he was not pressured in that game. So it was one game you you would have thought you could yeah. have tested some things out. And you assume he will be pressured in this game. I know the 49ers are coming off a, a game where they got blitzed uh, by the Chiefs, but these are not the Chiefs. He he threw some of like the most difficult like eight-yard slants you'll ever see. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, That's it's a charges. tough matchup. Um, okay, so the Chargers defense lost another player, Austin Johnson. It's freaking... Whew, buddy. Um, so they still can't stop the run. Uh, it would well. It's funny because before Christian McCaffrey, the Niners are actually not running the ball very well or very efficiently. Um, with watching them last with Christian McCaffrey, it was very hard for me to imagine a world where any defense handles them or Debo, him and Debo together on the field at the same time. Uh, I actually think. Garoppolo played a really good game last time. It feels like your only chance of stopping this Niners offense uh, after um, you know after Kyle Shanahan obliterates you with his first scripted drive is pressure on Garoppolo. It's pretty simple uh, when he when he is also disguised. His numbers drop off a lot versus disguise, but when he is pressured by a standard rush, he has a QBR of two point seven. That. Mm is something that the Chargers would certainly be a lot more capable of with Joey Bosa. Um, but it feels like that that's their only real shot at staying in this thing. Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith. I feel like there's a better chance of some deep Brandon Staley conversations after this game because the defense hasn't Ooh. been solved at all. Because I just don't see answers. They're very thin up front. Austin Johnson was a big loss for them because they already weren't good stopping the run, and they they obviously miss Bosa uh, an incredible amount. Like the back, the, the linebackers in the secondary, for the most part, are playing well, and, and they can be creative at times. But I don't know. There's something about Kyle Shanahan off the bye, off of a loss two and all these toys i think jimmy g's played about as well as you could expect this year like you're getting the non-broken shoulder version of jimmy g which is definitely better than the broken shoulder version of jimmy g and that the the chargers like 
we had this idea that they're so talented, but they just their players aren't on the field, and they just don't match up talent-wise, and I don't see any reason why to think they're going to make it up in Kojin. Kyle Shanahan is 1-4 off of a bye. Is okay. Coach? See, this is why I just, just like felt felt like, oh, he's a mad genius. He's going to cook up some he, stuff. Christian he, McCaffrey. He has so many weird, like, I I, uh, I think he's brilliant. And then there's so, he has so many weird statistics that are not good. You know what I mean? Like, his, we all know his record when he's losing in the second half, how bad it is. But like, things like that constantly crop up where I'm like, damn, really? Right. <laughs> uh, Hmm, I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I, I just, it's a bad matchup for the for the Chargers. I do think maybe J.C. Jackson would have picked up the defense at some point, but the Chargers defense, you know, against a pretty good Atlanta offense, let's give them that, uh, did look better with Michael Davis as their starting corner. They also, I don't know if you noticed this, went back to, have gone back to Nasir Adderley. They, they've really, like, futzed with their personnel a lot this season. It feels like Staley's just kind of been looking for the right, for an answer. Um, and I think ultimately going, you know, they, they had a while where they were starting Aloha Gilman a lot at safety, and they've gone back to Adderley. And I think that they've they've kind of settled back on the secondary that they had last year, and I actually think it's working for them. Um, but this is, you know, a very unique challenge with San Francisco. How, how good do you think this Niners team is? I would put them right there with the Cowboys and the Eagles uh, as the best team in the NFC. I just want to see it a little <laughs> more, but I, I think like their best game and their ceiling puts them in that trio of NFC teams who I think are the most likely to make the Super Bowl. I think what's impressed me about them is, first of all, yeah, I, th- I do think Jimmy's playing well. You know, you always have the caveat that he – the, the interceptions could come, frankly, you know, and that just is who he is. But for the most part, I think, especially I, I really, I think I talked about this last week after they, who did they beat up on the, before the buy the Panthers or whatever. But I, it, the McCaffrey addition to me actually solves a lot of problems with Garoppolo because he gives them an answer versus pressure and versus the blitz that I think he hasn't really had. Um, in addition to all the other many things Christian McCaffrey does well. I thought the offensive line would be an issue, and it looked like at the beginning of the season, but they've really shored up, and they've had, you know, the interior of the offensive line has kind of been, was a big question mark coming into this year, and I actually think that that unit is playing pretty well. So I think it's fair to, I mean, top to bottom, they are just exceptionally deep. I think I was asked about it on first take, who, whether they were better than the Seahawks. I was like, yes. I, I think Gino's a better quarterback, but this is a better football team, top to bottom, no question. Yeah, I think Seattle's played a little better this season, but the whole season watching San Francisco, you just feel like there's a slightly better, te- there's a much better team in there, and they haven't been bad. Like it's crazy, they have a worse record than the Chargers. It's not just eye test. Yeah, it's DVOA, for instance, has the 49ers ninth and the in the Chargers twentieth, which to me matches up kind of with what the eye test would tell you so far. And I just think their personnel especially with McCaffrey and then getting some of their injured players back is more like top five uh, as a team uh, personnel wise. And I don't know. I'm like, they're the team that I'd be the most afraid of just on a divisional round game that they can just, just trash you. It's, it's going to be, it's kind of just spin it forward. Like the Eagles are obviously top of the heap, but the fact that they're weak in run defense in particular and that the next two teams are Dallas and San Francisco, 
would have me pretty concerned as an Eagles fan. Um, just Ooh, that 49ers Seahawks games on Monday Night Football, I think. That's in like week 15 or 16. I don't think the Seahawks match out well with the Niners at all on defense. Well, they certainly I... didn't, but uh, if someone had told you they'd be in that big of a game that late in the season, well, hopefully they are. I guess we got a while before then. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> See, I'm just really trying to temper my enthusiasm here not helping all right let's take a quick break come back and uh talk about a few more games hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Dinks and Dunks is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Okay, as always, five questions from my guest, four from me, one from Lenny. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I want to talk about the Colts. (laughs) Colts Raiders. My colleague Jeff Saturday's debut as a coach, Josh McDaniels, he who spurned the Colts. Narratives. This is an elite narrative game. <laughs> Do the Colts have any chance of this thing? Yes. Oh, come on. They're playing <laughs> the Raiders. The Raiders could find a way to lose any game from any position. Uh, and if there's one defense that you know might give Sam Ellinger a little bit of a chance, I would say it's the Raiders' defense. Don't we get like a like a fired coach principle here where they, they just surprise everyone and at least make it interesting? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, a little bit of a dead cat bounce. Mm-hmm. And then all the Saturday talk this week. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pick them, but I could see that. No, By the way, I probably re- won't pick them either. But but the Raiders, I think, are six or seven point favorites. I think I would take Ooh. I would take the, the points there. The and yeah, I'm also just trying to, to heal the divide this Saturday. <laughs> You know, news has has been tough for the NFL Network ESPN partnership, and I want us to. <laughs> we got um, The reason I was fooled by Josh McDaniels being fired is because now you can buy a blue check. By the way, <laughs> so it was a verified tweet. It was a verified fake Schefter. Oh which, my gosh, that's a thing that now. Is messy. Uh, we're gonna have to mess. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard some rumblings, by the way, and who knows because. You know, there was national reports that Frank Reich was safe on Monday, uh, on the Monday before he was fired. But uh, I've heard that, that McDaniel's that he's not going to get fired. That they're going to see this. People keep through. telling me that, and I'm like, really? I guess I, I can see it. I I think they've they've invested there for a while. They also, you know, they're still like 
trying to avoid playing John Gruden. I mean, that was a 10-year contract. There's a lot. Yeah, they don't want to do it again after giving him a big deal. I could see they could say, oh, you didn't have the guys, but like, buddy. All right, question two, Lions-Bears. My question is this, one through 10, where 10 being he's the future, what's your excitement level with Justin Fields right now? Well, the excitement level and confidence he's the future feels like a different question. Um, But my excitement level is like an eight right now. He's must watch TV at the moment to me. Yeah. Like I maybe nine or ten. He's he is incredible. Like the most exciting play in football right now might be Justin Fields with a head of steam and some cornerback like cowering uh, near the sideline, not wanting to get in front of him. They're playing the Lions, dude. Coming off of this game, the the hype is will be out of control. Like because I mean, I know we just saw the mighty Lions take down Green Bay, but I don't see an answer for what you just described on this defense. He's made the Bears watchable. That's all I've wanted since uh, early Cutler days is just, like, make the Bears watchable, and, and we're there. Bears-Dolphins last week was one of the most fun games of the NFL season mm-hmm. to me, um, which brings me to question number three. Browns-Dolphins. I think we're going to continue seeing the Dolphins' defense offense looking like a uh, buzzsaw in this one, uh, given the competition. But on the flip side... Kind of think the Browns' offense is going to have a lot of success against this Dolphins' defense. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that Chubb move made sense, but also showed what the Dolphins thought about their defense, which is yeah. that they've been really disappointing. There's there's an indication from McDaniel this week that Byron Jones might not return this year, or that he's hopeful that he returns this year. And I was like, oh, I don't think he does. I didn't realize that, and they. Like their blitzes haven't been working. They're they're not a good defense. So that's if if they had a decent defense, they would they would be a Super Bowl, you know, contender, I would say. But they haven't been, and so I'm with you. I think this will be another one of those thirty five, thirty two Dolphins games. The Dolphins are the one team that's playing some good, you know, twenty nineteen football for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm like, wow, every game is like a good game because a good game just means offense. So I'm like, yeah, this Dolphins game is fun as hell. Uh, okay, two and not a good game. Question four. Cardinals or Rams? I don't know who to pick in this one. Pick it for me. That's literally my question. Okay. Well, I'm I'm biased here. I just keep picking against the Rams, and it breaks my daughter's heart. She, like, is a huge mm-hmm. fan and makes a shrine. And so this feels like the one week I just sort of have to pick against the Rams as favorites, and yet I don't believe it. I actually think the Cardinals, like, have a few more positive things going on right now than the Rams but I I will just take them out of blood loyalty and just hope for the best the Cardinals can kind of get a pass rush going sometimes with you know Wad and Golden and I just man this Rams offense it is there's just no answers right I keep going there like I don't know what McVay can it's it's just like there where no one's criticizing his coaching because what's to criticize who has a solution? You know, it's not like the Bucks where we can say, well, they should do this, this, and this. Like, I don't have literally any suggestions with the Rams. No notes. Stafford doesn't either. I mean, he doesn't have any solution. It doesn't, it seems like there's no light at the end where you could tell me that they go 5 and 12, and that feels p- possible. Mm. Last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Um, 
Lenny remembers you're making the leap column about Geno Smith, and he wants to give you credit. <laughs> However, he read another making the leap column, and he's going to refer our audience to a tweet you wrote in August 2020. Greg Rosenthal, I've had a hard time focusing on football. Watching Daniel Jones and Drew Locke weirdly made me as excited oh. for this season as any. <laughs> you know, um. you bring this up like every single episode. <laughs> it's it's typical. Well, now Lenny did. Mina used to. I mean, you should bring up the uh, the last time I was on this show where I spent about 20 minutes honking about the Eagles as my Super Bowl favorite and Jalen Hurts as just an amazing player. How about that? <laughs> 